Hi, I'm Siobhan Hunt and this is Kindling Conversation, a Kindling Kids radio podcast. Just a quick note before we get into the next episode. If you haven't already, I'd love you to rate and review Kindling Conversation wherever you get your podcasts or if you enjoy the episode, share it with your friends. All right, thank you and on with the show. Hello and welcome to Kindling Helpline, the weekly chat we have with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue, who is here to answer your questions and help with any of the challenges you may have been facing over the previous week. Chris, hello. Hi, how are you? Good, thank you. That's good. Um, so Chris, if you haven't joined us before, Chris has over 30 years experience with um, everything from settling babies, helping mums before they have their babies. I just went a step back, but then all the way up to toddlers and children, <laughs> behavioural issues, food, you name it, she can answer your questions. So if you are listening to us through your device or on digital radio, give us a call on 1-800-KIDS-RADIO if you're watching this or listening to this via Facebook, you can leave your comments below the video and we will try to get to as many as we can. So let's start with our first question. This is from Raylene. She says, uh, good morning. Hello, Raylene. Um, My 20-month-old suffers from asthmatic type symptoms. She's had two hospitalizations in respiratory distress and has been on and off Ventolin and Flixotide for the past six months. The doc and pediatrician are unsure if it's true asthma or related to viruses she may have picked up. I think with asthma, they don't normally diagnose until three, question mark. She recently had a nasty cold and we ended up sitting with her till she fell asleep at night and then sleeping on the floor next to her when she woke overnight, partly to keep an eye ear on her chest, but also as it was the easy option. Of course, now three weeks later, she expects the company all the time, including naps. <laughs> We've started by tackling bedtime by leaving her door open, sitting outside her door and telling her we are going to get drinks, etc., then coming back, increasing away time until she falls asleep. This is working well. However, once she falls asleep, we need to shut her door due to cold weather. Um, they have an oil heater and pets. We're ready to tackle getting her to sleep alone overnight again, but unsure where to begin as she is quite intense. In the past, when we've tried controlled crying type situations, she'll stay awake for two to four hours straight in the middle of the night and scream until she's hoarse, vomits or is soaking with tears. So this little girl is 20 months old. Gosh, there's a lot going on there, that's for sure. So I think... Um, you've actually started the right thing in what I would do, which is, you know, being there for a short period and then leaving and then extending that period that you leave. Um, and ideally, that's probably the easiest thing to do. I think the trick is that you need to be consistent with it. And I know that they can get quite ill when they have asthma type um, symptoms. I have asthma and I know how, what it does in terms of your sleep. But I think the hard thing is that Parents often, when their child gets, you know, a childhood virus and a childhood cold, they completely revert what they're doing. And that's where the problem obviously comes. So I think the idea is to take that if she's going to have this reaction to a cold and a virus, is you've got to have a game plan anyway, because it's not going to go away this winter. She's probably going to have it for a couple of years until she grows out of it. Is that reassurance and checking her but leaving. And I think you fell into the fatal 
I'll just lay down. And once that happens, it's sort of all over. So continue doing what you're doing by setting the limits of being there for a short period of time and then leaving and extending the period that you leave. But make sure if you've told your child that you're coming back, that you do come back. So even if it's come back and they've gone to sleep the next morning, she's a bit young. But if the child was older, I'd say, you know, you fell asleep while mummy came back to give you a kiss. And and I think that's reassuring to the child. So keep going with what you're doing. I think just keep extending the time that you separate from her and keep coming back to give her some reassurance and then apply that again at night. And I, I think if you did it for three really good days, you'd have a marked improvement in where you were, you know. So hold your breath, pick your days and go for it. Good luck with that, Raylene. And come back to us if you have any more questions. Melissa, who is watching along on Facebook. Hi, Melissa. um, Says, hi, Chris. My 15-month-old is teething and keeps waking at all times in the night, often resettling. But there have been some nights where she is hysterical. We've been using Panadol, Nurofen, Bongella. I used all those things too. Which helps, but some nights bringing her in bed with us is all that works. She's so tired and miserable. Any suggestions um, or ideas on how else to help her? I suspect this is more about settling than it is about teething. So it might have started with teething, but it's not the issue. And this is a really tricky one. Like if your child's in some sort of pain, what do you do? But interestingly, if you bring her into bed, she settles. So as far as we know, that that isn't the cure to teething. So I think it's one of those things that starts off as an innocent thing. And then within a day or two, the whole thing falls apart. So for teething, they need to be miserable both day and night. They don't start suddenly teething at two in the morning. And that's when it happens. And it seems to happen on the same time at the same day. So treating it like you've done. So Bongella, 20 minutes before they eat a Bongella or um, Panadol Nurofen, depends what you would prefer to use for your child. And generally their teeth will, the painful part of their teething will be in in a day or two. So first we get that right information about the teething. And then the next part is that if you've given something for their teething, giving them some comfort and putting them back to bed usually does the trick. So they do get a lot of teeth. Now some children, all their teeth come through. They never, ever complain so it's so varied other children you know they might just whinge and then the next day there's a tooth they've given birth to the tooth and other other kids it drags out over days but remember that they don't just do it at one time of the day they do it all right through their teeth is pushing through right around the 24-hour window so I suspect what started at teething is now ending up to be the behaviour and unfortunately then have to undo the behaviour. So again, taking small steps of reassurance, putting her back in her cot and picking a few days where you say, I'm going to come into you, but I'm going to keep you in the cot here and we're going to try and get you to go back to self-settling is the answer to this question. So just looking at that again and going, okay, we've got ourselves into a bit of a pickle. I have to undo it. So a little bit of reassurance, a little bit of leaving, extending the leaving times and extending the reassurance. And I think you'll find this will turn itself around and have a game plan for the teeth when they come through again. Good luck with that, Melissa. You are listening to Kindling Helpline on Kindling Conversation with Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue. Chris comes to us every Monday to answer your questions. You may be writing them down. If you're watching us on Facebook, you can write your questions below the video. If you're watching us via, um, sorry, if you're listening to us via the digital radio on your app or through a podcast, um, you can call us on 1800 Kids Radio. If it's a podcast and you're catching up, send us an email. Conversation. 
conversation at kindling.com.au and we will get to them um, the following week after you've sent the question. So we have a question here from Diana, whose daughter is three in a few weeks. I have a question regarding my toddler and toilet training. She's three in a couple of weeks and is resisting. She knows when she wants to go and will tell us and will happily wear knickers, sit on the potty and toilet. But when it actually comes to doing a wee, she freaks out. We have managed to get her to do it once or twice, but had a major meltdown just before. And as she was doing it, she was genuinely terrified. I've tried books that she enjoys reading, cartoon videos, bubbles when she's on the toilet, sticker chart, Barbary... (laughs) But she won't do anything. Does this mean it's too early or should I persist? I have a nearly one-year-old as well, so going backwards and forwards when we're trying, when we're out or trying to give her the attention she needs just isn't possible and I'm losing my mind. No wonder, Diana, I would too. Diana, Diana, I would just take a break. You've done all the right things. You know, she's three, she's got language, she's understanding the concept of little underwear and going to the toilet. It does depend on what method you use to teach her. So did you toilet time her and then toilet train her? Or did you just one day she went from nappies and the next day she was in little underwear and she was waiting for you to tell her? So it depends on the method that you used as to how you go back to doing it. But at this point where she's already got herself worked up about the actual doing the wee, I think you have to take a little step back. So I'd probably go back to pull-ups for a few, for a week or two. Um, And I would say that to her. I'd say, look, you know, this is becoming too stressful. There's lots of tears. Let's go back to pull-ups for a little bit and we'll go back to toilet training. Um, She's at the right age. So I think age-wise, you're hitting the right mark. But you have to be consistent. So we haven't got all the background information here. So we don't know whether she wears little underwear at home and then when you put her in the car, she has to wear a nappy and she's a little bit confused about that. It seems to be from the information we've got, it's when she physically does the wee. And sometimes that's better if they're sitting on a little potty because the distance between where they're doing the wee and it falling is is much shorter So when you take the choice of going back to toilet training her, I would use the potty first and maybe use the potty for a week or two before you introduce the big toilet and then go to the big toilet. Um, You may even have to retrain her by toilet timing her with her um, little pull-ups on and then move into toilet training. So Could take you just a step back. The toilet timing, just how does that work? So toilet timing is what I do before I toilet train because if you think about little people, if you just go today you're wearing nappies and tomorrow you're wearing underpants, that's a big call. And not only that, you need to sit on a toilet to do a wee. So what you have to do is train their body to understand. You have to train the child to understand what their body's doing. So to do that, I usually put little pull-ups on them just in case we have an accident. And for about a week or two, I time them. I say, we're going to the park. Would you like to try for a wee in the toilet before we go? And then um, there might be after lunch and then it might be after their nap and when before they have a bath and before they go to bed. And what you're looking for is that they're independent easily doing about two to three wees a day and then I move to toilet training so toilet training is where we're asking the child to tell us so we say you've got your little underwear on there's the toilet or the potty 
Um, and you just tell mummy if you need some help to go to the toilet. So we have to be really patient, have to be sort of home-based, and we need to say, do you need to go? Because they usually do a wee-wee dance, you know, with a jiggle from <laughs> yes. foot to foot. Yes. So um, when they start doing that, I say, you know, do you want me to come, come and help you take you to the toilet or do you want to go to the toilet? And if they say no, you have to actually accept it because they have to put the two things together. So it depends on the approach and hopefully if she's in daycare that you've got the daycare on board too doing the same thing. So hopefully they're not doing one thing and you're doing another. Um, but it needs to be rhythmic because otherwise they build a fear about going to the toilet. And sometimes we just have to take a break. Quite literally, it doesn't matter if she's three, don't get hooked in on what people think she should be doing. Just go, you know what, we just have to take a break here and go back a step, take a little moment and then move forward with a plan and I'm sure she'll, she'll connect all the dots and it'll all work for her. Good luck with that, Diana. Um, we have a question from Haley on Facebook. She says, hey, is there a nice way of saying to my mother about babysitting not to spoil him too much? Said many times, but not um, hyping, uh, said many times about not hyping him up too much. No lollies or juice after 3 p.m. as he won't go to bed on time at 7. He's, a two, he's two and a half years old and next day he's always in a massive tantrum mood because he can't get his own way with us just so frustrating it's from Hayley on Facebook Hayley depends on how much I think this is a really tricky thing but it depends on how much involvement your mother has with that child so if it's a once a month or once every six six weeks I think it depends on the, the relationship between the two of you she's obviously not listening to what you're trying to say Um, and there's lots of variants do you drop him off at her place does she come to your place now why we ask all those questions is if she was coming to your place you probably don't have the lollies around and the things around so you might say look mum we really don't want him to have lollies and sweets or juice at this stage and you know you seem to be giving it to him so maybe come and look after him at our place because then I think you can control what he's getting Um, if it's at her place a little bit harder and sometimes we have to have the really hard talk that says we actually do not want him to have you know McDonald's at two and a half or whatever the thing is and if they can't follow that through sometimes you need to say well look we might have to find someone else to look after him in terms of looking after him so not visits and stuff like that but it's a really hard one because you know they're sort of taking over what you feel um she babysits a few times a week at her place Hmm. as in the grandmother's place uh so that's probably where the problem is coming so maybe ask your mum to come to your place and then you've got a bit more control about what's going um on in that house but sometimes when it's really disrupting the family enough that it's influencing the way the child behaves the next day when he's not getting what he wants then I think sometimes you have to very gently have a conversation that says, look, we might have to get somebody else to look after him because you don't seem to be able to understand that this is something that we really don't want to happen. So you have to choose your battles when relatives are looking after your children. And I think when you're an adult, your parents saying, well, we're, our par- we're your parents and we're going to do whatever we life- like with your child doesn't sit. So it's a really tricky one because it's a relative 
um, doing it. But honestly, I think from your, from your parents' point of view, they probably think they're just having a lovely time with your son. You know, I don't know how much of this is them going, well, this is what we're going to do over you. I think it's probably more about they just want to indulge this child and you need to have that conversation about it. And it's really hard because it's a couple of times a week, not once every now and again. Mm, so yeah. Good luck with that, Hayley. I think it's a bit tricky, but I think if you find a way of having the conversation, you'll be... Um, but the easiest way to get around it is to tell your parents to come and look after him at your place. Good luck with that, Hayley. Thank you for the question. Um, you are listening to Kindling Conversation. And while I've got you here listening and waiting for the advice from Chris, I wanted to tell you about the Kindling House Party. Um, now, this is very exciting. It's the first time we've ever done this. It's happening in Sydney on Saturday, July the 7th at the City Recital Hall. And basically, we are taking over the City Recital Hall. We're going to have all our favourite live bands. Um, so people like Jay Lagaya, the Beanies, Bunny Racket, there's heaps more. My favourite and yours, parents, let's be honest, is Amy Taylor-Kabaz. Um, she's done Bedtime Explorers, which has been wildly popular for children, but she also has a lovely way of calming down parents as well. She's going to be there. Um, and you can also, you know, go along and reclaim some of your zen for that. So it's going to be an awesome, awesome day for families. So if you are in Sydney and you'd be interested in going, you just have to head to cityrecitalhall.com and search Kindling for tickets. Now let's move on to Sarah, who has um, a daughter who's three and nine months. She says, um, after your suggestions to help a three-year-old, three and nine-month-old girl transition during a house move, we're finding out this week if we've been approved for a new rental about an hour away from our current home. It'll be the first time we've moved in four years and the first time for our big girl. I think our baby, almost 10 months, will transition okay, but I'm worried for my sensitive big girl. She's already oscillating between being ridiculously excited and shaking in her boots about the move. It'll involve a new daycare two days a week and swimming lessons, but we'll still visit her granny on a Thursday who takes her to ballet. Overall routine changes will be minimal, but I'm keen for any advice you have to help her manage the flux of her emotions. I love Janet Lansbury's approach of just letting them feel what they need to feel and finding the space within ourselves to allow that to happen. But it will be a stressful time for me too, so I'd like to try to limit the impact on her as much as possible. Look, the first thing is, I think you'll be completely surprised at how well she actually copes with this. And I think we put a lot of our own anxiety on what they do and that kids are amazingly um, fluid at being able to take adjustment. I actually think the hardest one will be the daycare one, not the house, because you're there. The things that I would do is I wouldn't over-talk it. So if we're talking about it every day, she's oscillating between the excitement of something new and the anxiety between what she's going to leave. So I would talk a little less. And that's a bit like what they were talking, let her have her own emotions. Um, I'd do a drive-by. So I'd go down and once you know you've got the house, I would go down and say, look, this is where our new house is going to be and this is where our new daycare is going to be. Um, And just let her ponder that a little bit, let her think about that a little bit and answer her questions honestly. So when she says, so I won't see my friend Sarah at daycare, you'll say, that's right, we won't see our uh, our friend Sarah, but we will make visits back to play with Sarah. 
So that's that's an important thing is not to over talk it. Don't talk it every day. She'll get more questions as you start to put things in boxes because that makes it very real for her. But engaging her and helping her do that really helps that part. Um, and then the actual physical thing is that once you move to the new house, that you sort of set her room up as close to what it looked like before because that just gives her a bit of that real reassurance and it's going to take her a little while to get used to new noises in the house new sounds around her that give to reassure her that she's okay so take things slowly don't over talk it and I think you'll do fine I think the thing with the daycare things is allow her to say goodbye to the people at daycare so allowing her to say goodbye to her teachers and goodbye to the kids in her daycare and that she's going to a new daycare is certainly going to help her with that closure and not the expectation that she's going to go back to it. So it's all about allowing her to end the relationships and build new relationships. And I think you'll find she's amazing, amazingly resilient about the actual physical move to where she's going to. So mm. holding there, I'm sure it'll go really well for you. And um, I think you'll be surprised at what your little girl could do for you. Yeah, and she's got you too, Sarah. That yeah, was a yeah. really She only really comment. cares about, yes, it's you, a, her baby brother and or sister and her dad or her partner. So, yeah, just just allow her to accept it. And we have um, a question from Melissa, who's watching us on Facebook. Hi, Melissa. She says, um, hello, what a fab service. There you go. (laughs) Just wondering about getting rid of a dummy for a nearly four-year-old. Is cold turkey the way to go? We've tried this and she was hysterical. Or is it better to let her have it until she understands a bit more? At the moment, I think she sees it as punishment. I think your four-year-old has a lot of understanding and cold turkey is the only way. To get rid of it there's no gentle way of doing it because she's actually four so she has a lot of cognitive development she knows what taking things away for and replacing things is about so it's actually harder when they're four than say if they were two where you can replace the comfort you could try that with a four-year-old but again it's something I sit down so say the dummies are going to go on Saturday because, you know, the more people around to help would be better. Um, Then I would say to her on Wednesday, look, you're a four-year-old now and four-year-olds don't have dummies, so it's time for the dummies to go and we're going to get rid of them on Saturday. Choose your day you're going to do it and give her a little bit of warning. Don't over-talk it again, but... Just tell her there's no use waking up on Saturday and saying, that's it, the dummies are gone, because that's too confronting for them. So about Wednesday, we're telling her the dummies are going. Um, Hopefully you've got rid of all the dummies. There's only one dummy left, because that's a really important step. So you're getting rid of all the dummies, and so there's only one left by the day that you're actually going to take them away. And then we literally just say, you're a big girl now, so hand your dummy over, and we throw it out. And you've got to comfort her in other ways and show her how she can get that resilience in going back down to bed again. And that might be a little bit more time with her. It could be something like listening to an audio story um, to help her relax before she goes to bed. It might be reading, you know, two stories and a cuddle, a longer cuddle initially to start with. Um, and then when she gets up at night, it's just about that re, um, reinforcing, yeah, you're okay, it's time to go back to sleep again. So, you know, pick your time frame, make sure you've told her, 
And and I would pick something like listening to an audio book as a way of going back down to sleep, especially as a four-year-old. They're quite into, you know, listening to a Cinderella story or something along those lines. I'll never forget, um, Melissa, a friend of mine said what she did with her child was, you know those make a teddy workshops? Oh, yeah, yeah. They took the dummy with them and when they made the teddy, they, they put it, it the inside dumb. the teddy bear so that the teddy bear became the comforter and they didn't actually have to throw out the dummy. I thought that was genius, but, you know, that, that's quite... An expensive I option. can see a very smart child just going, "Where's the dummy?" <laughs> Pulling like, Ted's ears sure off. Stitching is really, um, really <laughs> strong. Anyway, we've got what time for one last question. Perfect. This is from Jane. She contacted us via email, which of course is another way you can get in touch. It's just conversation at kindling.com.au. Uh, Jane says, "My eight-month-old has never been a great sleeper. For the last several months, she has been waking twice a night, and I've been feeding her. We've been waiting for her to drop." The these feeds, but it hasn't happened. We moved house a week ago, and since then her sleep has become worse. She's waking three times a night, and the only way I can get her back to sleep is by feeding her. Putting her dummy back in doesn't help. She goes to sleep fine by herself without feeding at the beginning of her daytime and nighttime sleeps. I put her down in the cot with a dummy and leave the room, and within a few minutes she's asleep with no or little grizzling. How can we improve her nighttime sleep? Would getting rid of the dummy help, or is controlled crying the only option? If there's a gentler option that is likely to succeed, I would probably prefer trying that first. I don't think you need to do controlled crying. I think you need to wean the feeds off because... Um, what you said in the beginning of this email is that we were waiting for her to do it. But for some children, you could be waiting a very long time for her to do it. So first, I think you have to assess, is it appropriate to let go of night feeds for any child of any age, which it is. She's eight months old. She's on three meals. She should have three milk feeds in her day, three to four milk feeds in her day and three meals. So if you can tick those boxes, then it's appropriate, I think, to move forward and say, okay, it's time to get rid of milk feeds at night. And I'd actually use the dummy in a way to help you do this process. I don't think we should replace a feed with a dummy, but at the moment it would be a stepping stone between where you are and where you're going to be. And that will be gentler on her and on you. The second thing is, well, how? what are we asking her to do? We know she can self-settle with her dummy in the day and in the evening. So we know she has the ability to do it. Um, but to take three, possibly two to three feeds off her in one go, again, I think would just end up in tears for everybody. Although it is the short, fast way of doing it is just getting rid of it. But I think because you want a, a sort of slower and a more gentle approach, what you could do is the first time she wakes at night, she gets resettled. So if she wakes at 10 o'clock at night, regardless of how you resettle her, you need to resettle her, except by feeding her. So what you're saying to her is things are about to change. So you might go in, you might let her have a cry for a few minutes. You need to give her a few minutes. It's not about whether you call it control crying or not. It's the fact that she needs to learn how to put herself down and go to sleep, and she's not going to do that in 30 seconds. So you need to give her a few minutes to try and put herself to sleep. Um, when you go in, I'd put your dummy in and pat or, or just give her a gentle, put your hands on her, just like you do when you put her down, and then leave, and then leave for a few minutes and go backwards and forwards. Now, on the first night you do this, this is going to take the best part of an hour to do. So the, first, the next thing is be prepared. You know, this isn't a five-minute thing or a 10-minute thing. This is an hour. 
So you might do this from 10 till 11 and finally get her off to sleep. That could involve a bit of picking up, cuddling and putting down, giving her the dummy, all those sorts of things. The next time she wakes, because hopefully that would tire her out a little bit, she might wake till 2. That 2 o'clock one, I'd give her a full feed. Okay. Then if she woke at 4, I'd try and resettle her. So what we're doing is just gently weaning back on those feeds till you're down to one feed where you put it down at night, she sleeps till two in the morning, she has a feed at two in the morning and then she sleeps till six. Once you get to that point, then you've only got one feed that you're getting rid of and I would use the same method. A period of time of self-settling, going in, giving her the dummy a bit of gentle support and then back out and repeating that until she learns to sleep through. So no, you don't have to do control crying or a version of control crying, but you do need to give her the message that something's about to change because she's relying on feeding to go back to sleep at night. Okay, so fingers crossed, think about the process, write it down, what you want to achieve, and I'm sure it will go smoothly once you've got a bit of a plan of action. And good luck with that. I hope it all goes well and you're sleeping well soon, all of you. (laughs) And that's all we've got time for on Kindling Helpline today. Chris, thank you so much for your time today. Pleasure.